0: issuesetc.org slash 2023
1: nominations The kingdom of God is not about talk Jesus is king It's about power and demonstration The state of the church in the United States I believe needs a reawakening of deliverance because of the evil that's going around Christians can be under the influence of satanic oppression 100% they can You see redemption and salvation is for the lost deliverance is to set the captives free. Ah! The word of God says, these signs shall follow them that believe. The plan of the enemy is to keep the church quiet. Deliverance is for the people of God. Deliverance is for the church. I'm here to call this culture to Jesus Christ and cast out demons. Because these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils.
0: That's a trailer for the forthcoming movie, Come Out in Jesus Name, a documentary, rather dramatic, I would say, that purports to document the casting out of demons and the deliverance from demonic oppression among Christians. Can Christians be possessed by demons? And... Do Christians need not only salvation, but as they say, their deliverance? It claims to be the greatest revival in Christian history. That is a pretty big claim. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're going to talk about the movie Come Out in Jesus' Name. Pastor Chris Rosebro joins us. He's pastor of Kansfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. So we have not talked about demon possession or exorcism in a really long time. Not to, we'll talk in a minute about the reality of those things, but I kind of thought that was a fad that had passed in pop evangelicalism.
2: Yeah, so the fad ran through pop evangelicalism back a few decades ago uh, with uh, the, the, the ascension of somebody by the name of Bob Larson he was a guy who it was on the radio and he claimed that he was casting demons out of everybody including christians And uh, one of my old mentors, uh, the late Gretchen Pazantino, she was the one who at the time went kind of toe-to-toe with him in the public arena and did a very good job of standing up against his false doctrines and his twisting of scripture. And at that time, that fad kind of ran through evangelicalism like wildfire, and then there were like demons under every rock and leaf and tree, and and it was it was really a mess, but it eventually faded out and kind of went into the background. But it's set to make a make a comeback with this upcoming movie though
0: before we get started just orient us scripturally two questions that must be answered and we'll return to them after we've listened to some audio
2: the first one is is demon possession real Oh, absolutely. Demon possession is a real thing and still continues to be a problem to this day. There are very well-documented cases of uh, demon possession, and those especially who are dabbling in the occult and uh, the New Age and mysticism generally open themselves up to uh, demonic oppression and then eventually possession. It's it's still a thing. It's a real threat. Can
0: a Christian... Be possessed by a demon, we certainly can be oppressed, we can be haggard, we can be tempted, can we be possessed?
2: no we we cannot the scripture is very clear in first Corinthians six that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we Christians cannot be possessed. And what's going to be fascinating is we're going to hear Isaiah Saldivar, the fellow we're going to be listening to. He's one of these so-called demon slayers who's going to be in this upcoming movie. He will readily admit that Christians cannot be possessed, but he does a lot of kind of like acrobatics and sleight of hands and gives misinformation to basically say, well, there's a lesser thing that can happen and you can have a demon, which effectively then still needs to have you cast a demon out of a Christian. And so they're, they're really, really engaging in some uh, verbal gymnastics in order to justify their practice.
0: What is the movie? I, I take it it's a documentary?
2: Yes, and uh, more of a preachy documentary from what I've seen from the, uh, the preview of it. It's a movie coming out, kind of bankrolled and funded by Greg Locke and it features a group that calls themselves the Demon Slayers. If you were to go to the uh, YouTube channel of Isaiah Saldivar, he regularly gets this group together to do something called the Demon Slayer Podcast. So this will include Greg Locke, Isaiah Saldivar, Vlad, the uh, so-called Apostle Pagani, and people who kind of hang out in their group. Their expressed goal is to bring deliverance ministry into the mainstream of Christianity and evangelical churches. And so this movie of theirs is intentionally designed to get your garden-variety, grassroots evangelical pastor to buy into the idea that they need to cast demons out of the Christians in their churches. It is being, not
0: the movie, but the movement that this movie documents is heralded as, quote, the most important awakening in church history
2: what do you make of that? That's that's marketing for you. I, mean, I think the most important... By the way, I don't like the word movement. So you'll note the church has continued on at a steady pace and in making disciples of all nations since the day of Pentecost. I think that's the thing we would note. There are seminal moments in Christian history, most notably as Lutherans. We point to the 1517 uh, Reformation that was launched by the 95 Theses by Martin Luther, which brought back a a proper understanding of the biblical gospel, got rid of a lot of man-made traditions that were contrary to the gospel, and brought us back to a better understanding of what the Christian faith is by going back to the scriptures themselves i would say that that was quite an important thing but it was it didn't start out with martin luther putting a movie poster together saying that the reformation is going to be the most important movement you know since whatever he, he didn't even try and the thing what took off like wildfire because it was really god's will to free the church from all of the stuff that had been hung on to it by the, uh, the medieval Roman Catholics. And so, yeah, yeah, the, the, I would say the hype is is nonsense, and I would note this. The good chance that we're going to see that in the, the late spring and early summer, this is going to be all the rage within evangelicalism. They're prone to fads. Eventually, like it did uh, originally with Bob Larson and the fad that he brought on, it'll fade and fizzle because people are going to find out, not only is it not biblical, it doesn't work, and I'll explain that as we go. Who are we going to hear from? So we're going to be listening to one of the major ringleaders of the Demon Slayers, who's going to be prominently featured in the upcoming movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name. His name is Isaiah Saldivar, and this is an up-and-comer in the uh, the Pentecostal charismatic NAR groups. He's a bright, shiny penny, but man, is he just a twister of scripture and a purveyor of false facts. We're going to hear him lead off a YouTube video that he put out asking the questions, can Christians be possessed by demons? And his first argument is one that actually Roman, I've heard Roman Catholics use, but I'll let him spin it out hey guys welcome to the channel today we're going to talk about can
1: a christian have a demon i want to answer three specific questions today in this video and that's number one can a christian be demon possessed how could a spirit-filled believer have a demon and then isaiah show me one place in scripture where a christian had a demon so we're going to talk about this first i want to talk to you guys about my experiences i've been doing deliverance now for 10 years and i've only been doing deliverance on believers friend i'm telling you I've had entire weekends of doing deliverance on just pastors and leaders. This has been for 10 years of doing deliverance on believers. I've prayed deliverance over thousands of Christians. And I'm telling you guys this, a person with an argument is never at the mercy of someone with experience. Many people that say Christians can't have demons have arguments, have head knowledge, have ideas, but don't have experience. Isaiah, we shouldn't preach based on experience. Friend, the disciples preached on experience in the new Testament. This was the disciples experience. The God were the experiences of the disciples. In fact, when John the Baptist doubted Jesus, and sent his disciples to Jesus while he's in prison Jesus said this tell him what you've seen and what you have heard in other words tell him the experience that you guys have had he didn't say tell him what this says and tell him what that says he says tell him experience Jesus said in John 10 if you don't believe my words which they did not believe Jesus is preaching he said believe in the miracles i.e the experiences that you've had too many people are enlisted in the school of theology the school of prophecy the school of redundancy but not the school of experience and When your experience does not match your theology, you need to rethink your theology. When you start praying for genuine believers and they manifest demons, you either need to tell them that they're great actors or you need to go back to scripture And realize that you're missing something there is overwhelming biblical evidence that Christians can't have demons John said this if everything that Jesus did was in Scripture it would take up the entire world so you have to know that all of the Bible is in God but not all of God is in the Bible there are many things according to Scripture that Jesus and the disciples did that we just don't read about so much of what we talk about when it comes to deliverance people say watch this experience yes but you have to understand that experience and revelation will always match up with God's nature and. will okay I
0: apologize to our listeners for the yelly delivery there on the on the part of our subject
2: yeah Uh, he is a shouty man He's very uh, shouty what was he saying so basically he was putting his experiences on par with what's written in Scripture and his argument was well not everything that Jesus and the Apostles did is in Scripture because you're gonna note this there isn't a single instance in the Scriptures of the apostles casting a demon out of a Christian who has been baptized. There is no text that says it. Not only that, there are no instructions given in the epistles instructing christians to cast demons out of christians and so he is saying that the bible is insufficient and that his experiences because he's been doing deliverance for 10 years that his experiences are on par with the scriptures i mean because the scriptures are nothing but the accounts and the experiences of the apostles and he's having experiences and so his experience is truth as well and you'll note that he is overtly denying the sufficiency of Scripture. In fact, Paul says this, "...all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work." Paul says the scripture is sufficient for every good work, and nowhere are we instructed to cast demons out of Christians. And as a result of this, Isaiah knows full well that there are no examples of it, nor are there instructions to cast demons out of Christians. As a result of it, he just basically say, not everything that we need to know is in the Bible, and his experiences now rise to the level of truth.
0: So in essence, he has said, everything that follows here, you're not going to find it in the Bible
2: well all of his practices are not in the bible that's <laughs> that is absolutely sure So when called out on it, he basically says the Bible doesn't record everything, so therefore my experiences count. And you'll note he said something very interesting but is very backwards. He says that when your experiences contradict your theology, your theology has to give way. And we note that that's not how this runs. When your experiences run contrary to the Scripture, your experiences must be reinterpreted by a proper understanding of Scripture. And so what he is doing... Doing is really backwards. And then the other thing he is engaging in is, is kind of a standard thing you see in Pentecostal and charismatic movements. And that is these thought-stopping techniques where they demean people who actually know theology, know doctrine, and know their Bible. They just dismiss them as, that's all just head knowledge. And we have experience, and we have heart knowledge, and that's better than head knowledge. It's a way of silencing your critic by somehow making it sound like if you know your Bible and you're using your brain, that somehow that's getting in the way of the Holy Spirit and the truth. And that is a common feature within the culture in these charismatic and Pentecostal churches.
0: Pastor Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith is our guest. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about the documentary movie Come Out in Jesus' Name. We'll get into the Greek word for demon possession next. Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, The Story Behind Your Favorite Hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns. Eternal Anthems, The Story Behind Your Favorite Hymns, Volume 2.
3: your comprehensive source for information, teaching, and truth. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons, or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.
3: Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and
2: private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning
3: more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time.
1: memoriapress.com
0: This year's Issues, Etc., Making the Case conference will include an on-campus event for Lutheran singles. The premier conference for Christian laity is Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. The speaking lineup includes Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, journalist Mark and Molly Hemingway, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee. Find out more at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. The 2023 Making the Case Conference, June 16th and 17th in River Forest, Illinois. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest.
2: We're talking about the movie Come Out in Jesus' Name. Chris, what's next? So next we're going to hear him make some claims regarding the Greek word daimonizomai, which is the right way to pronounce it. But I'll let him explain
1: first question I want to go over and this is a major one is can a Christian be demon possessed and the answer is no but here's the problem this single question is the main reason why millions of believers don't believe Christians can have a demon although not only is there overwhelming biblical evidence that they can I'm going to show you why I believe deliverance is for the believer now much of the understanding when it comes to can Christians be possessed has resulted from the King James Version having translated the Greek word Demonezomai, which is possessed with devils that's how we translate that Greek word the problem is that's not the Greek translation the Greek translation for where we find the word possessed is to be under the power of a demon there is a vast difference between being owned by demons and by having demons friend listen possessed is not a biblical principle it's not a biblical translation it is a poor translation and this is not just me Bob Larson Don Dickerman Frank Hammond Derek Prince Luster Summerall they all would agree that this is a poor translation and the translation we should be using is to be under the power of demons so i want you to get the word possessed out of your vocabulary. I want you to get the word oppressed out of your vocabulary. These are not biblical definitions, and so we need to remove these. So the proper question is this, not can a Christian be demon possessed, but rather can a Christian have a demon or be under the power of demons? That's the biblical way to translate that, and the answer is yes. The New Testament never makes a distinction between being oppressed or being possessed, and neither should we. Remember, Jesus never cast demons off of people. He always always casted demons out of people. So when we're talking about deliverance, when we're arguing about this, I want you just to completely forget about possessed and oppressed. They're completely irrelevant. They're not biblical translations all you need to think is being demonized which is under the power of a demon which believers absolutely people write me they say oh this teacher preaches that christians can't be possessed this teacher preaches christians can be forget about the terminology and get into theology and the theology of the greek word possessed is to be demonized which the greek word translates to be under the power of a demon so i don't preach possession or oppression i preach being demonized there's no distinction in the new testament That's going to help you with a lot of this arguing with can a Christian be possessed by a demon. Possessed is not a Greek biblical term. Okay. All
2: right. Uh, Take that apart for us, Chris. So his main argument that the, the Greek word, by the way, he mispronounced it. It's daimonizomai, that it doesn't mean to be possessed by a demon. Now, in my Logos library, I have over 20 Koine Greek lexicons, over 20 of them. And every single Koine Greek lexicon, including the, 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 the granddaddy of them all, BDAG, all say that the proper definition of daimonizomai is to be possessed by a hostile spirit or a demon. That is its actual definition, and his conspiracy theory that the reason why there's all this confusion is because of the original King James Version mistranslated the word daimonizomai is totally bunk. In fact, I would challenge uh, Mr. Saldivar to please show me a biblical Greek lexicon that doesn't translate the word daimonizomai as to be possessed by a demon. So he is right here just factually incorrect. The word that he says doesn't mean demon possession. Legitimately every single lexicon says it means to be possessed by a demon. Not a single one of them says otherwise.
0: Oh, what else did we hear there? I mean, he's what is he driving toward?
2: So what he's basically trying to do is try to create a distinction between being demon-possessed and, quote, having a demon. Now, here's where we have to be careful, because those who are demon-possessed in the New Testament, those who are are described as daimonizomai, that they uh, oftentimes, the synonymous phrase is, they have an unclean spirit. The two go together, but what he's trying to do is take the terminology and split it apart so that he can make a distinction between possession and quote having a demon. But here's the thing. Nowhere in the New Testament, including the gospels, is anyone who is I ever described as a Christian. Okay. No Christian is ever described as having a demon or as being daimonizamai. That word only applies to those who are legitimately possessed, like the demoniac of the Gerasenes. That'd be an example of somebody who's demon-possessed. The same regarding the father who brought his son to Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, at the bottom of it, and the demon manifested, daimonizamai. In fact, the word daimonizamai nowhere appears after the Gospel of John and is never applied to somebody who is a penitent believer in Jesus Christ. It is always describing a person who is legitimately possessed or severely oppressed by a a demonic entity. And that being the case, what he's trying to do is basically say, we've misunderstood the word. It's all about, quote, having a demon, which again, no no Christian has ever described this way, so that he can then open up in the mind the possibility that Christians need to have demons cast out of them
0: what should we be listening for in our next actuality
2: so this one's a interesting one so in his theology it is possible for a person to hear the gospel be brought to penitent faith in christ be baptized receive the gift of the holy spirit and still have demons because he claims that there is no biblical text that says that once you are a believer that you're automatically delivered number two is how can a spirit
1: filled believer have a demon now there's no verse in the bible guys you have to understand this that says once you receive salvation you're automatically delivered in fact If we look at scripture, let's look at Acts 8, we see Philip, which is the only evangelist in scripture who after preaching the gospel, the Bible says to the people, drove the demons out of them. Now, if you automatically get saved and every demon leaves, then why would Philip spend his time and energy casting out demons after he preached the gospel? It's because you don't automatically get delivered once you get saved. That is why Jesus commands us to go drive demons out of people. Many times when believers are being demonized, eyes it's because the demons been there before they got saved now it's definitely possible to open up doors after getting saved but this is a main reason why we need to drive demons out of christians logically then and if an event if an evangelist does not follow philip's pattern of preaching the gospel and then casting out demons which is what jesus did which is what philip did many will believe and be baptized without ever being delivered from demons and this is how christians live today they've been deli- they've been preached to they've been baptized but they have not been Delivered. Deliverance is 100% for the church. Okay. So he's
0: kind of got a a two tier system going here, doesn't he? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, he does. And by the way, what he said, that there's no verse that says that we're delivered once we believe, that is absolutely contradicted on its face by the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what it says God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. And has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For Colossians one thirteen legitimately says that God has already delivered all Christians from the dominion of darkness. So what he's talking about is what he's claiming is directly contradicted by Scripture. But the other bit that I think is fascinating here is his complete butchering of Acts chapter 8. What his claim is, is that in Acts chapter 8, Philip, who went and evangelized the city of Samaria, that he went and preached the gospel, people believed and became Christians, and then after that, he cast demons out of them. That's not at all what Acts 8 says. Here's what it says. Notice that when you read the actual account, it does not say he preached the gospel, people believed, then Philip stayed, and then cast demons out of them. That's not what it says at all. He's twisted the text. He's lied about what my means. He's flat out been contradicted by Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, that says that God has already delivered us from the dominion of darkness. This guy fails on so many levels, it's almost embarrassing that each of the statements that he says are so easily shown to be not slightly false, but absolutely false on their face.
0: Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop Christianity today. We're talking about the movie Come Out in Jesus' Name. Well, if that's true, why doesn't Jesus mention casting out demons in the Great Commission where he is sending his disciples out to carry on his ministry? IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations.
1: One of the most difficult decisions that a spouse has to make is the decision to put their beloved husband or wife into a long-term care facility as a result of mental illness. In the February issue of The Lutheran Witness, the Reverend Michael Casting tells the story of how he cared for his wife during her struggle with Alzheimer's and how he came to grips with this decision. To find out more, you can read his article in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective
3: an oasis in the desert of pop American Christianity, you're listening to Issues Etc. Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Greenfield, Wisconsin, is a congregation of those gathered by the Spirit of the Lord around His saving word and sacraments. At the center of our life together is the divine service of the risen Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain, who takes away the sin of the world. If you are in the Milwaukee area, we invite you to share with us in our Lord's gifts of forgiveness and new life. Services are on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. For more information, visit our website at mountziongreenfield.org. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit FLSPlano.org, FLSPlano.org.
0: talking with Pastor Chris Rose, bro. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're discussing the movie Come Out in Jesus' Name. Chris, I want to come back to something that was said before the break. If he's right that you are saved and then you need further deliverance, that it's really a two-stage thing here. I wonder why Jesus leaves it out of the Great Commission where he tells his disciples explicitly, make disciples in my name, baptizing and teaching. He doesn't say make disciples by baptizing, teaching, and then casting out all their demons. If it was this essential teaching, I don't think Jesus would have left it out.
2: No. (laughs) In fact, scriptures give us everything we need for all of our good works, so that we are complete in Christ. The scriptures themselves, that's what Paul says in in, uh, 2 Timothy 3. Therefore, since the scriptures do not instruct us, to cast out demons and Christ never said to cast out demons out of Christians, once they believe in me, then you'll note that Christ has fallen short. The apostles, Peter and Paul and John and the authors of the New Testament, they have all fallen short and not given us everything we need. But here's the thing, is that the apostle Peter knew full well the very danger that we face as a result of the devil. And yet he doesn't give us instruction to cast demons out of Christians. Instead, here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The instruction that Peter gave is not to cast demons out of Christians. Instead, he gave us the instruction to resist the devil with our faith. James says exactly the same thing in James 4, verse 7. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you'll note that not only does Jesus not tell us and the apostles not tell us to cast demons out of Christians once they're believed and are baptized and all this kind of stuff, filled with the Holy Spirit even, instead we are instructed by the apostles to resist the devil, which is something completely different. And you'll note that it doesn't require the spectacular showmanship and shoutiness of Isaiah Saldivar. He's long on show but really short on truth.
0: So if we apply the, the kind of classic Lutheran, test to what he's saying we have no command in scripture to do this we have no promise regarding this in scripture and we have no example regarding this it fails on all three points
2: yeah it fails on all three points and you'll note that we recognize that christians from scripture, we recognize that Christians can be tempted by the devil, that they can suffer spiritually because of the devil. Like read the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches in the in the book of Revelation. You know, with the people who are suffering spiritual oppression as a result of the attacks of the devil, we know that Christians and true believers can be bodily oppressed by the devil. Look at Job as a clear example of that. And there's an an example of a woman who was a believer in God, but also who had an illness That was brought on by a demon. So we recognize that Christians legitimately face real dangers and threats, true threats from the devil, but possession is not one of them, nor are we ever instructed to cast a demon out of a Christian because Christians are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes it clear in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 12 that when a demon leaves a person and it goes away and and it comes back, if it finds its house, the person, empty, then it goes and brings other demons and they all possess, and the state of the person is worse now than it was before. But when we have become Christians and we're baptized into Christ's death and his resurrection filled with the Holy Spirit, the demons do not come back to an empty house. They come back to a house that Scripture describes is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to cohabitate with the demonic because the demons know full well that ain't going to work for them. One more time, what are we going to hear? All right, so now we're going to hear him twisting in order to – he's searching for a way to make it appear that the New Testament teaches that those who are believers and Christians can truly be – well, have demons and be demonized. Okay, the third thing I want to go over in
1: this video is Isaiah, show me one place in scripture where a Christian had a demon. I, w- I would love to do that. We have to first realize that in Mark one thirty nine, the Bible says that Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue, preaching and casting out demons. So remember, these were religious people Jesus was delivering. And these people, and I want to tell you this, had a much higher standard than you and I. They had a much higher uh, living standard than you and I. And they lived according to the law of Moses, which said, if you commit adultery, you're going to be stoned. So know that the, understand the people that Jesus was doing deliverance on were not these low level people. They were not these weak people. These were people that absolutely lived to a high standard of holiness and righteousness, according to the law of Moses. And Jesus was doing deliverance. You guessed it in the church, in the modern day church, in the synagogue, he was not just doing it on the street corner. He started his ministry in Mark one, doing it in the church and continued through. If Jesus had a pattern of ministry, then I'm not out. Eligible or I'm not authorized to change his pattern of ministry. His pattern was doing deliverance in the church and it's our call to do deliverance in the church. Okay, Matthew 16, Jesus said to Peter, Satan get behind me because Satan had influence and had entered Peter, and Peter being a believer. That's in Matthew 16. John 13, the Bible says that Satan entered Judas, another Christian, another believer, another follower of Jesus. Now, some of you right now are in the comments, you're going to say, Isaiah, okay, you gave us two definitions. You gave us Peter. You gave us Judas. But what about after they received the Holy spirit? What about in the book of Acts? There's no believers in the book of Acts that had a demon wrong. Let's go to acts 436. Joseph, the Bible says a Levi, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles feet. So in acts four, the, the disciples are starting to sell their property and put their property at the feet of the disciples. Now in acts five, the Bible, says now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. So we have two people. We have uh, Joseph sells a piece of property, lays all the money at the feet of of the apostles. And now we have Ananias and Sapphira in chapter five, who the Bible says also sold a piece of property. And the Bible says Ananias with his wife's full knowledge, okay, kept part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet but peter said now here's where i want you guys to pay very close attention acts five this is new testament book of acts someone being demonized but peter said ananias why hath satan filled thine heart to lie to the holy spirit and keep back part of the price of land so let me give you the plain explanation of what peter said Peter said there's a spirit-filled believer deliberately chose to lie to the Holy Spirit and in turn himself was full of an unholy spirit. This is what Peter is saying.
0: All right, Chris, let's go through those one by one of what he alleges are examples of believing Christians having demons, beginning with Jesus preaching and casting out demons in the synagogue.
2: So we're going to note something, and that is is that that doesn't count because it is pre-Pentecost. And so prior to uh, Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the day of Pentecost 50 days later, believers were not indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. That only happens post-Pentecost. And so... Pointing to Old Testament examples of people in the synagogue as if somehow because they had a, quote, higher moral standard, which is also false, we Christians have the exact same moral commandments as the Old Testament Jews did. Grant this, that the, the civil, the civil laws of the Mosaic covenant required the stoning of adulterers and things like that. That doesn't mean they had a higher standard. It just means they had different civil penalties than we do now. The moral standard is still the same. Adultery is a sin. And Christians of all, of all centuries have all agreed that that's the case because the, the commandment is the same. So he's making these distinctions that are false. He's not paying attention to the actual context. So it is true that there were people who attended synagogue. That Jesus cast demons out of them. They manifested while that while Jesus was preaching in the synagogues, and we would note this: if somebody was truly possessed and they've manifested a demon, and they're in a in a context of a synagogue, that means that they are false converts. They are the ones that Jesus warns about when the devil sends tares in among the wheat. You'll note that that's the case: that somebody who's truly possessed is no longer a believer. If they were a believer, they've apostatized and if they weren't a believer they're only feigning belief it is a it's a faux belief they're an angel of the devil at masquerading as an angel of light is how it works
0: we're discussing christians and demon possession with chris of fighting for the faith i'm todd wilkin you're connected to issues etc lcms ministry to the armed forces assists and trains congregations through operation barnabas The goal is to equip and encourage local Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod members in compassionate care and witness by training outreach to all military-connected people, active, reserve, retired veterans, and their loved ones. Learn more about Operation Barnabas at lcms.org slash armedforces, lcms.org slash armedforces. So did Peter have a demon when Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan?
1: If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Things above, that's the theme for this year's hymn sing at the Issues Etc. Making the Case conference. The Bridegroom soon will call us. Jerusalem the Golden, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, and a whole bunch more. You don't want to miss it. Making the Case is Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. This Fallen Creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy which flows from Christ to altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster.
3: More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. He is the omega. Historical I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior
2: Jesus Christ, given unto death
3: for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
0: back to Issues Etc. We're talking about Christians and demon possession with Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. So Chris, coming down the line here with these allegations, he also alleges that Peter had a demon when Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan.
2: In fact, he even added to the biblical text. And let, let me explain. He said that Peter, when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, he said that Peter had a demon enter him. The text doesn't say that. The text doesn't say that Peter had a demon enter him. Instead, what basically Jesus is doing is rebuking him for adopting the same values as the devil has and that the world also has. Because what was Peter doing? Trying to convince Jesus to not go to the cross and to bleed and die and lay down his life and rise from the dead. When Jesus was rebuked by Peter, Peter got rebuked by Jesus, and Jesus made it clear, get behind me, Satan, that's just basically a way of saying you, you have the same values as the devil. It does not say that Peter was demonized. That is, reading something into the text that's not there. Satan
0: entered the heart of Judas.
2: Yeah, and we'll note that Judas never displayed any, any, uh, any real repentance or faith in Christ. We learn from the other apostles that the entire time that Jesus was doing his ministry, that uh, Let's just say that Judas was uh, helping himself to the donations in the in the money bag. And so this is a fellow who we have no reason to believe really, truly, penitently trusted in Christ, and instead was somebody who was going through the motions and had a different agenda altogether, and when Jesus didn't fit what he expected the Messiah to do, he was all too willing to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. But the text legitimately says that Satan filled him, and we would note that that, that's a sure sign that he wasn't a Christian when he was possessed by the devil to murder Christ.
0: And then uh, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira.
2: Yep, so he's reading way too much into the phrase that uh, Peter says when he confronts Ananias. He says, why has Satan so filled your heart that you would do this thing? That's just a nice idiomatic statement, but it doesn't actually say that Ananias was demonized. And you'll note that when Peter was rebuked by Jesus, Jesus didn't cast a demon out of Peter, similarly then, here, if Ananias was truly demonized, then the right thing to do would have been to cast the demon out because people who are demonized are under the control of the devil and they may not even have moral responsibility for the things that they're doing wrong. And instead, he goes on to say... He goes on to say, why is that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You'll note that Ananias is morally responsible for lying to God, the Holy Spirit. And then God executed judgment on Ananias and killed him on the spot. As a result of this you'll note that that's not a case for demonization that's a case for Ananias giving into the temptations of the evil one and seeking to lie to the Holy Spirit for his own benefit and he is his death is held up as an example so that we don't do the same and we would have no example here if he was demonized because he wasn't even in his right mind it was the demon doing it through him so in each and every time that Isaiah Saldivar handles a biblical text to make the case that Christians need to have demons cast out of him, it can be shown definitively he has twisted the text, misunderstood what the text says, or manipulated its meaning, or inserted things into those texts that are just not there. As it stands, there are no biblical examples of somebody post-Pentecost, a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, needing to have a demon cast out of them post-conversion. That text doesn't exist.
0: He had mentioned their baptism, but I want, I want to make sure that we include, because someone says, okay, so what do you teach about the devil vis-a-vis these things? You know, in our baptismal rite, if I recall... Chris uh, before the the person is baptized they are actually asked to renounce the devil all his works and all
2: his ways yes so we believe that the devil legitimately is is able to tempt to spiritually oppress and even physically oppress Christians. This is really borne out in scripture. That being the case, you'll note then we pray daily as Christ has taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So daily we face the trials and the temptations of the devil and the devil's way of thinking. And as Christians, we can, we can fall into those temptations and get our heads screwed on backwards so that we think that we're doing good when in fact we are doing evil. And as a result of it, when, you know, as part of the baptismal rite, you know, I will ask the person to be baptized. Do you renounce the devil in all of his ways? Yes, I renounce him. Do you, and and so this is part of it because we recognize that the devil and the demons are an ongoing present danger for the church. But here's the issue. When you watch the so-called deliverances that Isaiah Saldivar engages in, Over and again, the people who put themselves forward to have demons cast out of them, they are confessing that they are struggling with things like pornography or lust or sexual picadillos or things like this, perversions or alcoholism or things like this. And when you listen to what they're claiming they're struggling with, When Isaiah Saldivar supposedly casts out the demons, he'll say, I cast out the demon of lust. I cast out the demon of perversion. I cast out the demon of alcohol and stuff like this. And then you realize, oh, they're not really suffering from demonization. What they're suffering from is the desires of their sinful flesh. And we are instructed in Scripture not to cast out lust or sexual immorality or drunkenness or malice or rage or deceit. We are instead, those are the fruit of the flesh, we are instead told to mortify our sinful flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the, uh, uh, the Book of Concord makes reference to the fact that St. Augustine taught that the way we mortify our sinful flesh is by asking God the Holy Spirit to give us the strength To do so so you'll note that this is quackery and at the end of the day here's the thing these people who've had these demons of lust and perversion and drunkenness and all this kind of stuff cast out of them they aren't going to be cured at all because that wasn't their problem. Their problem was they still have a sinful flesh and that sinful flesh has deceitful and sinful desires. That's the reason why they're struggling and somehow looking for some magic bullet, but having a demon guy like Isaiah Salvar cast these fleshly desires out of them, that ain't gonna work. You can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: What are the dangers of a fad like this?
2: they're multitudinous let me just kind of give a couple one is it's going to lead to disillusionment because the people who've put themselves forward to have these demons cast out of them at the end of the day they might go a day two or a week or so But all the things that they they were struggling with are going to come roaring back, and this will be ultimately ineffective, and they'll be able to see through the veneer and recognize that this isn't true. And as a result of it, they will believe that Christianity isn't true, and it's just full of charlatans and hucksters and showmen who are making merchandise of them. And unfortunately, that's what did happen to them, but they never were really confronted with biblical Christianity. Instead, they were given a counterfeit version of it. The other thing is, is that this... This is the kind of stuff that opens us up to the ridicule, and rightly so, the ridicule of the world. There will be a lot of people as a result of this nonsense Who will ridicule Christ and ridicule Christianity and say that we're basically a bunch of backwoods redneck hicks with like two brain cells and one tooth because we believe something as stupid as this that is so obviously shown to be false. And as a result of it, we're going to get ridiculed. Another problem is that we can legitimately see people obsessing about the devil and demons and seeing demons everywhere, under every rock and tree and leaf, and as a result of it, living in fear, never being able to experience the true freedom that comes by being forgiven by Christ. This makes the devil large and makes Jesus small. And so there's so many dangers, but those were the the three that I I would point to.
0: You said earlier in our conversation that after this movie come out in Jesus' name, it has made its debut in theaters and made the round in pop evangelicalism. That this fad is likely to catch on in churches. You'll see this kind of multiplying itself. Maybe not these demon slayers, but you know some local pastors say, "Well, I'm starting to have a demon demon slaying ministry at my congregation." Why so susceptible to fads, regardless of how unbiblical and far fetched they may be?
2: Yeah, there is always an evangelicalism, a tendency towards the fads, and we've covered a few of them here. I mean, we've talked about, like, remember the prayer of Jabez, remember the purpose-driven life. Uh, These these things ran like wildfire through the churches and then fizzled out eventually. And so there is a propensity within evangelicals to kind of get on the latest wave and ride the latest fad and, and do the thing that everybody else is doing and then really not put a lot of thought into it. But the, here's the danger in all of this is that because this is actually built on false doctrine and a twisting of Scripture, this then will become a point of division within the church. Already the, the, the demon slayers, when you listen to their podcast and listen to the rhetoric, they are making this the dividing line. You are either a true pastor or you are a hireling based upon whether or not you buy into their doctrine of deliverance. So it's already already being packaged in such a way that you can see what this is going to do. This is going to run through Christian churches and create division and create all kinds of acrimony and cause men who are firmly standing on what the Scriptures say to be besmirched and to be lied about and called hirelings when in fact they're being faithful pastors. So this particular fad is going to cause great turmoil and division within the church.
0: Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Find out more about Fighting for the Faith on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Chris, thanks. Thanks, Todd. Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part this week by Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas. Faith Lutheran provides a classical Lutheran education for early childhood, elementary, middle school, and high school students. Faith Lutheran is accepting student applications for the 2023-24 school year. For more information, visit flsplano.org, Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas, flsplano.org. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll find out how to save the West from Spencer Clavin. We'll discuss mental illness in the Lutheran congregation with Dr. Stephen Saunders, and we'll get a biography of St. Valentine with Dr. Bill Weinrich. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to Church Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc.
3: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. For more information, check us out at stpaulutheranwildwood.org.
1: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Lamps Burning, Faithful Manager, Divided, Repent or Perish, and The Barren Fig Tree. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider.